1: Welcome in to our number two of Extra Point on this Monday, November 6th. Bob Kemp, Caleb Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. That's right, it's Monday. The time changes upon us. The Sports Home with Bob Kemp from 10 to 11, and this here program from 11 to 1. We'll take your phone calls in this hour around 1215, 602-260-1060 is the number to get involved. We'll go heavy into the world of college football. Before we reset the scene with today's poll questions, though, I do want to make mention of this. I saw that uh, it appears... Christian Walker has been named the gold glove winner for first base. This is his second straight gold glove award. And then Gabriel Moreno uh, has won a gold glove from the catcher's position, and that is his first gold glove. So uh, very good that those two players for the Diamondbacks uh, receiving some gold gloves and recognition for their play uh, defensively this season.
0: Yeah, and it's certainly uh, apt that uh, the Diamondbacks got some gold glove attention because they were, you know, statistically, whether you go old school or new school stats, uh, the best defensive team in baseball really during the season.
1: On to the KDOS1060.com poll question. Which offensive performance was worse Cardinals on Sunday at Cleveland or Sun Devils on Saturday at Utah and the masses remain out in front on the Cardinals side of things 65% of the vote Sun Devils at 35% we'll get into a little bit about the Sun Devils contest here momentarily Uh, we'll officially answer the question around 1230 today Twitter at KDOS AM 1060 Bob had a great college football discussion with Stuart Mandel from the athletic and if you missed it you can always podcast over at KDOS 1060.com or with the KDOS 1060 app but who is the best team in college football? Michigan remains out in front at 50% of the vote. Georgia and Ohio State remain in a tie at 25% of the vote. And Florida State continues to get no love at all at 0% of the vote. That, too, gets...
0: That's just, that's, that's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: That, yeah, that too gets answered around 1230 today. So let's look back at the weekend that was in college football. And we'll start with things here locally. ASU traveled to Utah. It didn't go well for the Sun Devils. It was a 55 to 3 win for the Utes. Trenton Borgay was injured early on in the contest. Jacob Conover was then inserted. He was 5 of 22 for 41 yards and a pick. Cam Scadabo, 12 carries, 31 yards, and it was just a rough, rough go for ASU offensively. Meanwhile, Utah bounced back with Bryson Barnes, 19 of 28, 161 yards and four touchdowns for him. And then Utah on the ground, 49 carries, 352 yards and three touchdowns.
0: Yeah, that that's without their top three running backs who are all out for the season because of injury. <laughs> so amazing what happened there. Uh, Utah's without it's uh, you know, with with a backup quarterback, without their top uh, tight end, without their top two linebackers, without their top defensive lineman. All those guys are out. In they kicked ASU's ass. Uh, ASU the 83 yards of offense. It's the second worst mark in school history. Uh, Utah scored touchdowns on seven of the first eight possessions. In Utah, the first Pac-12 team ever, uh, Pac-12 to keep part here, Pac-12 team ever to have more than 500 yards and allow less than 100 yards in a conference game.
1: Things went better down in Tucson for U of A. They are now officially bowl eligible and they became bowl eligible for the first time since the 2017 season. It was a 27 to 10 victory over UCLA. Noah Fatita 25 of 32, 300 yards, three touchdowns and one interception. As a team, it was 35 carries, 129 yards. Flipping this to the Bruin side of things, though, they were forced into using three quarterbacks with some injuries. Ethan Garbers before he exited, 13 of 21, 143 yards and a touchdown. Dante Moore before he exited, four of seven, 14 yards, and then Colin Shlili, uh, Schlie, I should say, uh,
0: was over five. Actually, Moore was the last quarterback in the game. The other guys were either bad or hurt. Before that, they also didn't have a kicker. Apparently, they demoted the kicker, and uh, there was a report that the uh, kicker had quit the team. Uh, So they had some – the kickoff guy was trying to kick field goals and whatever. It was a joke uh, as far as UCLA goes. Uh, Their defense – U of A's defense is really good. Fafita is really a good quarterback, and – why he wasn't starting for the start, since the start of the season, you wonder uh, if had they if had they had Fafita in there instead of Jaden Delora, uh, Fafita would have given them a far better chance to give the uh, give them a, a far better better chance to win Mississippi State. It turns out, is a really bad team, by the way, and the U of A lost that game because Delora turned it over multiple times. Uh, they should have won that game for sure. And of course, uh, if Jed Fish had actually had enough stones to go for it uh, in the uh, two point conversion situation against USC, they could have two more wins without any problem whatsoever, but they have now won. They're they, they bowl eligible, as you mentioned. They've played five straight ranked opponents. They're three and two over that stretch. I'm guessing that they're not particularly proud of their offensive performance on Saturday, but this defense is pretty good. Whether there's a. You know, three different quarterbacks and no kicker in the other team or not. But, you know, Jay, Johnny Hansen is the defensive coordinator for the U of A. I had to look his name up. My apologies. I should have known this all along. He's done a really good job with that defense, especially the front seven.
1: Uh, and to that point, the Wildcats are 4-2 and two in Pac-12 play, 6-3 and three overall. They finish up the year at Colorado, then versus Utah, and then at ASU.
0: Yeah, I think they'll be favored in two of those three games. I doubt they're not going to be favored in Utah unless Utah has even more injuries than they already have, which is apparently doesn't seem like it's possible. But they lost another running back for the season last week. Uh, as I mentioned, they had all those rushing. You mentioned the rushing yards. Yeah, the, that they were with their fourth running back. That was their. You know, they're down to their fourth guy, uh, and um, I'm guessing he didn't get all those yards. I watched almost none of this ASU game. Thank God. Uh, because there were college football games that were either really important or that I cared about during that early window. And by the time I kept flipping it over during the commercial, I just kept you know, the score seemingly increased by seven points every time I looked. And I guess that's what happens when you give up touchdowns and it was uh, seven of the first eight possessions. That's going to, I guess, happen. So it could have been worse, apparently. Uh, but uh, yeah, Utah, quote, called off the dogs. Uh, and uh, they, they could have even scored more points, I guess, so I'm told.
1: Uh, let's get into Ohio State and Rutgers. It was a 35-16 to win for the Buckeyes, but there's are certainly injuries now piling up for Ohio State. Already, you didn't have safety uh, Lathan Ransom. You didn't have cornerback Denzel Burke. And then during the game, you lost Josh Proctor. And the play actually came uh, that he, he ended up getting injured on, led to a pick six for Ohio State, giving the Buckeyes a 14-9 to lead in the third quarter. You also have to monitor the situation with Tommy Eichenberg, as he didn't finish the game, uh, and then you had no Cade Stover in the contest on the offensive side.
0: That's correct. Uh, they're running out of dudes, even though yeah, it looks like that Burke. Uh, yeah, he actually he missed two games, then came back a couple of weeks ago and did play at Wisconsin, and then didn't play this game. Uh, yeah, the Proctor injury didn't look terrible. I mean, it was a head injury, and they also uh, scored a touchdown on that play uh on defense largely because of his hit uh you know, Eichenberg, this is a really big deal here even though he was you know eikenberg was back on the sideline by the end of the game so in uniform so i'm um, you know they had a you know, fairly substantial lead at that point they were minus 37 uh excuse me i got there i got my stats wrong here my apologies uh, Ohio State. I got okay, here. We go. They were minus thirty-three in yards and minus seven in first downs in this game. Uh, there is no way that they're the number one team in the country. I'm sorry. I know that they're gonna. They were ranked there yesterday. I'm guessing after Notre Dame lost over the weekend that they're gonna take uh, you know some schedule strength hits. And I think that it's a decent possibility that when the college football playoff poll comes out tomorrow for the second week. That Ohio State's not going to be number one at that point. And once again shows it's just just a complete load of crap that anybody pays any attention to the first uh, week of the college football rankings because, as ESPN even pointed out, before the first rankings last Tuesday, the first rankings haven't meant a whole lot by the time the actual, six weeks later when the actual Final Four are mentioned and, and officially, not mentioned, excuse me, officially named at that point. This first week thing does, hasn't meant a damn thing, quite frankly. All, you know, most years it hasn't meant anything.
1: Uh, yeah, the, the teams don't always end up there remaining at number one. I think it has only been two years that a team that started at number one in the first rankings release ended up not even making the college football playoff at all. Uh, so well,
0: Well, the thing that stood out to me last week is the teams that are in the first four Uh, there's been like like 30% of those teams have actually not been even in the Final Four. So it doesn't mean a damn thing.
1: We'll get into more from around college football. It was a fun weekend, so we'll discuss uh, some of those contests on the other side of the break. You can also chime in if you'd like to. 602-260-1060 is the number. Give us a call now, and we'll talk to you on the other side of the break. It is The Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060.
0: Ready to bring KDUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa?
1: Hi, I'm Alexa.
0: Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060. This
1: is where I start my day. 19 here on kdos am 1060 in the extra point as always follow along with us online at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app continuing our college football conversation this contest went into overtime kansas state and texas Texas comes out on top, 33 to 30. Texas was in fact leading this game, though 27 to 7, with 4:13 to play in the third quarter. Multiple fumbles by Texas helped get K-State back in this one. K-State tried to go for the win in overtime after forcing a field goal by Texas, didn't get it. Uh, so now here, the questions are about Texas's ability to to close in the second half and and not allow Kansas State to get back in this one.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't pay much attention to that quite frankly. I mean, if Quinn Ewers is in, yeah, he had some turnovers, but I mean, it's uh yeah, Murphy is a good athlete, but he's not an experienced college quarterback and yeah, you know, uh, you know, some of those turnovers were partly because of him, some of the offensive issues were because of him. Story in this game though is Chris Kleinman down 30 to 30, uh, 33 to 30. It was 33 to 30 in overtime. Fourth and 5 at the 5-yard line. In overtime, and they are clearly—you mentioned—they came back from that deficit. Uh, he, you know, I know that they missed a field goal, at an extra point earlier, but you know, didn't just try to kick the field goal, and instead it was an incomplete pass, and they went for the win, and the game was over.
1: Uh, Texas hangs on, and therefore hangs on uh, with all of their hopes still alive in front of them. Big 12 and CFP as well. Clemson beating Notre Dame. 31 to 23 sam hartman though has not been good for a while here for notre dame it was 13 of 30 146 yards two interceptions including a pick six so is this just a situation where notre dame has some injuries i know that they lost their best receiving tight end uh is this a situation where notre dame just hasn't really been able to find the right fit at quarterback or are there starting to be some questions here about marcus freeman as head coach
0: I don't know about Freeman as head coach. I think it's two years is kind of difficult to assess that situation, but I'm glad somebody else is mentioning Hartman. I've been mentioning this for several weeks. Uh, he hasn't been good. I mean, he had they had that cushy early schedule, and he lit it up against really bad teams. He made some really bad plays, which was completely forgotten in the Ohio State loss because of the way the Ohio State game ended with the 10 men on the field. But Hartman made some bad plays in the second half of that game, especially on the final Ohio State drive. Excuse me, the final Notre Dame drive, which led to the Ohio State comeback in the, the final two minutes of that game. He was 13 for 30 in this game. And it's not like Clemson, has the you know their defense, the front is good, but you know they've had defensive backfield injuries. He had you know, Hartman had zero touchdowns and three, uh, three picks in this game. He hadn't been good, and uh, yeah, Clemson did everything they could to blow this game in the second half. They were actually up twenty-four to nine with the ball, in uh, Notre <clears throat> excuse me Notre Dame territory in the second half of this game, and it turned out to be a one-score game, and Notre Dame actually had a chance to win it.
1: Uh, no more bedlam, but it was a wild one. Oklahoma State winning 27-24 over Oklahoma. Oklahoma fumbled uh, that turned into Oklahoma State seven points. Then another fumble by Oklahoma turned into a field goal for Oklahoma State to go up 27-21. Then it was a bizarre series for Oklahoma State as they tried to run out the clock uh, and they gave Oklahoma a shot there at the end.
0: Yeah, those things all happen, but th- this was a case of the Big 12 officiating crew and the Big 12 conference screwing OU at one, for one last time before it left for the SEC. The absolute worst call in college football this year, and it doesn't belong to the Pac-12 for the first time forever. It belongs to the uh, officiating crew that was in Stillwater on Saturday. The most obvious pass interference penalty in the end zone of all time, doesn't necessarily mean that OU is going to automatically score on the next play or at least soon thereafter, but you would think that would be the case. Uh, but that happened. Uh, Mike Gundy, by the way, got his 100th Big 12 victory. They're 5-1 and one in conference games, and uh, they are right now on, in line. Uh, if they win out, they're in the conference championship game against Texas
1: georgia can we say that they were pushed by missouri it ended up being 30 to 21 carson beck was 21 of 32 254 yards two touchdowns as a team georgia ran the ball 33 times 131 yards and a touchdown but brady cook he was 14 of 30 212 yards one touchdown and two interceptions and those were the crucial picks at the end of the game with a chance to go down and take the lead with georgia up 27 21 he has a pick that results in a georgia field goal and then another pick that ended up icing the
0: game the bigger problem is he was 14 for 30 and they should have been better position and not have to you know try to you know score at the end of the game or go length of the field and try to score at the end of the game yeah he made he's made some good plays this year Missouri's gotten better he's gotten better but they're just not good enough to beat Georgia uh in really in any case yeah Beck is I keep saying this every week this dude's not getting enough attention. He's really good. He's had nine consecutive games of 250 more yards passing now. Uh, we'll get to see him go against Old Miss, which doesn't have a very good defense uh, this week. And uh, we'll see. Uh, I would assume he's going to have another game of 250-plus yards. I keep seeing and hearing all these Heisman Trophy lists. I don't see him on any of them. Why not?
1: Uh, that's a great question, I guess, because then I I don't know, is it uh, just the, the, that Georgia is as good as Georgia is. And so that kind of comes with the territory. So you're looking at somebody who hasn't been there, done that, even though he wasn't the quarterback in the past, it's just kind of an overlooking of a team that's been at the top.
0: They've won nine straight games and a lot of them because of him. 250-plus yards passing in nine consecutive games. Unfortunately for Georgia, they lost another one of their stud players for the season, most likely, I assume, for the season. Uh, you know, uh, Layman Dumas Johnson, i got to say that slowly, uh, is out for, you know, I'm guessing, like I said, for the rest of the season. He had a nasty-looking arm injury. They just said he had a broken arm. But I can't imagine he's going to be back for the regular season, maybe he can come back for the uh, – for the college football playoff, assuming Georgia gets in there.
1: On the FanDuel Sportsbook app right now, your Heisman Trophy odds, Michael Penix, Jr., plus 140, Bo Nix, plus...
0: That's a a joke in itself that he's actually the favorite. I mean, my God, how many... yeah, I know he he keeps putting up these monstrous passing games. He's made bad play after bad play for week after week after week here to put his team in danger of losing, yet... He's still favored to win the Heisman. You got to be kidding.
1: Bo Nix is plus two hundred. J.J. McCarthy plus eight hundred. Jordan Travis plus eight hundred, and then Carson Beck at twelve to one.
0: I think this all comes down to you know, McCarthy. If he wins at Penn State this week and beats Ohio State in the November twenty-fifth, then how could he not win it?
1: Speaking of Michael Penix and the Huskies, it was a 52-42 to 42 victory over USC. The result for Lincoln Riley was firing defensive coordinator Alex Grinch. When it comes to the actual game, right before half, Caleb Williams was sacked. He fumbled. UW took advantage there with punching it in for seven points to go up 35-28 at half. Then late in the game, third and seven for USC at UW's 20, became third and 13 with a holding penalty. Then a sack, became fourth and 25. USC punted. UW then proceeded to march down the field for seven to go up by 10, and that ended up being the ball game.
0: Okay, so they can't blame Alex Grinch anymore. Um, why don't they blame Lincoln Riley, um, who I think is a good offensive coordinator? Why is he a good head football coach? We saw the same thing at OU. Now we're seeing it at USC. And the other thing is, and I said this for weeks, their offensive line is not good. Uh, they're actually, they're, they're, they're okay at run blocking, but their pass blocking is horrendous. And Williams has to run for his life on almost every play.
1: USC falls to 7-3 and three and 5-2 and two in Pac-12 play, uh, and UW remains unbeaten. When we were talking about this to start last week, we were saying that for some of these Pac-12 teams, they needed USC to kind of still hang in there for strength of schedule purposes because uh, I believe Oregon is up next against USC. So just kind of curious to see what the interest level for USC is.
0: Well, there's no interest in them now. I mean, they're done. I mean, they actually had a chance to go to the conference championship game had they won this game uh, and beaten Washington. Because they would have had the tiebreaker against them. Uh, so there's that. Uh, so the the is out of the equation now. Yeah, you know, I think that we've seen some other teams. Yeah, you know, Florida State I think is getting knocked because yeah, you know, I don't not a hundred percent sure how good they are. Uh, because their wins earlier in the year against LSU and Clemson don't look nearly as good now. But, you know, we're going to find out. Maybe eventually. We may not really find out. Let's say they make the college football playoff and let's say that it it doesn't go well for them, then everybody's going to say, well, they should have never been in there. But I'm not exactly sure what Florida State can do. You know, they were without their two receivers on on Saturday and had no problem – I know the score was close for a while, but they weren't going to ever lose that game to Pitt. Uh, But I don't know what Florida State could really do any more than what they've already done.
1: And finally here, uh, Alabama winning over LSU 42 to 28. But this game really turned with Jaden Daniels getting hit hard, exiting the game. I believe in the, the first part of the fourth quarter there, LSU didn't score after Daniels left. He was magnificent, 15 of 24, 219 yards, two touchdowns and a pick, 11 carries, 163 yards and a touchdown. Meanwhile, for Alabama, it's just kind of interesting to see us you know, have talked about Alabama and what they're doing at quarterback this may be one of the worst uh, Alabama teams that Nick Saban has had and here they are uh, potentially heading toward an SEC title game Jalen Milrow 15 of 23 219 yards 20 carries 155 yards for him and four touchdowns on the ground
0: yeah uh, I know a lot of other people said that I never really thought that Alabama was out of it Uh, the Jalen Milrow should have been the quarterback all along and I think I'm right about that. I also think that Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, is much more comfortable with Milrow now. And they, they're they playing much faster than they were before the season, during early in the season when they were trying to figure it out. I will say, and I've said this many times and it's not changing now, this is the worst offensive line that Mick Saban's ever had at Alabama, no question about that. And actually the fade for LSU in this game began before Daniels got hurt. It was 28-28, and they had three consecutive drives that ended because of penalties.
1: Uh, So it was a fun, though, weekend in college football. Overall, I know you were looking forward to both the the college football weekend and the NFL weekend, so did it live up to expectations for you?
0: It did, just because the way that the games were packaged, uh, I'm sure that the networks uh, don't really try to – it just fell into – it was perfect. The morning games, uh, Saturday in college football, you know, obviously included that Kansas State-Texas game that you mentioned, and there was one other game that is slipping my mind at the moment uh, that was uh, you know, also very good. Then we had the Georgia-Missouri uh, uh, Georgia, you know, window, and then the night games. Uh, you know, Stuart Mandel mentioned this when I had him on the first hour in the sports um yeah, you, know, you need the the split screen, the two TV thing going. Yeah, you know, for all the points and all the quarterback play uh, between that Alabama LSU game and the USC and Washington game. So, yeah, it was good and yesterday the NFL, I was a little disappointed at the level of play in that uh, the Chiefs and in, in the and uh, the Dolphins game, but you know, that just seems to be a, an issue no matter who's playing, good teams or bad teams, if they're playing uh, in a foreign country. And they're you know out of their usual routine. It seems like none of those games are ever really as good as you expect them to be, or any good, quite frankly, in some cases. So that was that. And then we had the afternoon. Uh, well, you had the morning window. I was looking forward to the Ravens and the, the Seahawks uh, to some extent. Even though I thought the Ravens would win, I didn't think they'd win a hundred to nothing in that game. And then the afternoon window. Obviously, with the, uh, you know, the Cowboys and the, uh, and, the, and the Eagles, and that was an interesting game for many reasons. And then the uh, Sunday night game, actually, I thought it was really the, you know, the, the, another game where the score doesn't give you an idea of how the actual game went. The Bengals were never in danger of losing that game, in my opinion, last night against Buffalo.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting in the NFL because we talked about it to start the NFL conversation, how many rookie quarterbacks were playing, uh, whether they were starting or inserted in due to injury in week nine. Uh, We've talked about just also then how many injuries there were and the backups that were playing. Uh, So it it seems like every week, though, we're getting um, fewer and fewer games that have a ton of intrigue and high level competition uh, each week in the NFL.
0: Well, I think I just keep going back to the same things. You know, the quarterback thing is easy to point out. I think anybody can watch and see that, uh, you know, the quarterback play is uh, at a, uh, at least in the last few years, at a recent, uh, like 10-year low. But the fact that there are so many bad offensive lines in this league from good teams, supposedly, uh, that I think has really hurt the product considerably. Uh, And then you've got teams that, you know, just lost too many key players. Uh, the Bills' defense, uh, for instance, you know their offensive line, which we questioned before the season, is not good. Uh, the only time they can run the ball with any kind of effectiveness in Buffalo, or, or the Bills can run the ball, is if Josh Allen's running the ball. Uh, so, you know, on the other hand, Cincinnati's actually gotten healthier, not just Joe Burrow, but some of their other injured players. And Cincinnati, uh, you know, with their defensive backfield situation, which you know, all those you know, kids that were you know, were playing, you know lost the two starting safeties from a year ago, their defense has gotten better as the season has continued. And I think that's largely because the young secondary is just getting better and growing with experience.
1: You know, I'm kind of interested to see if some metric ends up popping at season's end that kind of puts put placement to just how few yards have kind of been gained throughout this season so far, Uh, the point totals being as low as they've been in some of these games. or if there's something here to it, as you're talking about with offensive lines, there seems to have been like a shift away from from running back. So kind of establishing the run, which sets up and opens up the pass. If any of that has something to do with just kind of uh, we're, we're not a, we were so used to a few years ago, all these yards, all these points. And now we're not seeing it this season.
0: Well, I think this is a pretty easy explanation. Yeah, I read those numbers a couple of weeks ago with the you know the red zone scoring the worst it had been in many years, and I think uh, the part the problem is is because most teams in any level of football, if you're bad in the red zone, is because you can't run the ball at all, and I think that's what we're seeing more and more. And I think that uh, the lack of offensive line play, the Cowboys are a really good example here. Uh, even though they were better in the road zone yesterday until the end of the game. Uh, They were actually, I believe three for three in the red zone until those last couple of drives. But yeah, their offensive line is not what it's supposed to be. Zeke's not there. Pollard is not a guy you can ever run between the tackles and expect any success. Uh, I think that's kind of a reflection of what's going on in the league is the most, you know, America's team can't run the damn ball.
1: It's just interesting because of, uh, I called it like the assault on the running back position, and now it's really, I think, coming to forefront of of the importance of having a good line and a good running back.
0: And I mentioned this last year, I don't even care about the running back part, but the offensive line thing, I mean, you can have a competent running back, and if he's going behind a good offensive line, then he's he's better than competent. Uh, So there's that, and... uh, yeah, you know, I talked about this offensive line thing last year and it's been, you know, significantly worse this year in my opinion.
1: We will answer, unfortunately, bad offense on the other side of the break with our
0: speaking of,
1: yeah, with our KDOS 1060.com poll question uh, in regards to the Cardinals and ASU from the weekend. And we'll also get into our Twitter poll question talking about what is and who is the best team in college football options are Florida State, Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio State. We'll answer that on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app.
0: Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060.
1: Extra point on this Monday, November 6th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 p.m. Today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And it's time to dive into the poll questions. Let's start things off with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Uh, Which offensive performance was worse? The Cardinals on Sunday at Cleveland, they scored no points. The Sun Devils on Saturday at Utah, they scored three points.
0: Yeah, and they both had under 100 yards, right? So it's yes. pretty pretty amazing in itself. We ran read a lot of the numbers uh, either in the sports zone or during the extra point in the last hour. Pretty bad. I'm going to go with ASU because I had some a- ASU expectations. Utah, pretty much Utah's season as Utah knows it these days, which is you know Pac 12 championship or bust. Those hopes ended the week before. Uh, when they lost uh, the previous game, and lost even more players to injury, and ASU was you know supposedly riding high after they won a game against a FBS opponent for the first time this season, when they beat Washington State, which by the way Washington State lost to Stanford over the weekend and scored seven points, so maybe that game wasn't as big a deal as it should have been. There were you know were some people thought it was uh beat washington state well whoop-de-doo they're gonna win, end up losing like six or seven games in this to in their season in washington state but anyway uh, i thought i had some expectations for asu to at least compete uh, i had no expectations that the cardinals were going to compete and uh, I, I didn't imagine that either would be this bad uh but you know the fact that asu just had just they were not even there um you know it was just uh yeah after you know we heard all the you know, hype last week, and you know, Kenny Dillingham was pretty encouraged about the rest of the season, I'll be uh interested to hear his press conference this afternoon and hear what he has to say now
1: so for me the reason why i'm not on the sun Devils side of things uh you know losing trenton borgay and then having to go to jacob conover and then at some point like i think your best option would have actually maybe been cam scadabo at quarterback um I, and that's for me i think the injuries kind of absolutely just derailed things for the sun devils having having someone at the division one level to play quarterback so for me i'm on the cardinal side of things um yeah the, uh, to your point of kind of what you've Maybe maybe the question is for at Cleveland and maybe this is where I'm answering it incorrectly because I guess I'm lumping in kind of a sum of things here. The offensive line deteriorating since the season got started has been disheartening because you, you kind of thought to yourself, oh, wow, the, the, the scheme is really working really well. They're playing a little bit with some more continuity here at the offensive line. They're able to do a few things and injuries. I know with DJ Humphreys and uh, Will Hernandez leaving in this game but the offensive line really giving clayton tune at at certain opportunities absolutely no chance to succeed was really disappointing uh, with no pass protection then when he did have pass protection you know i I totally understand why it happened you're just completely sped up uh and telegraphing some throws here and there making some poor decisions so the whole thing just had like no chance from the absolute beginning and it just ended up being a really really hard thing to watch and, and you thought that there would be not necessarily a a rallying point or anything around clayton tune but there was maybe some some hope that uh you could find out evaluate if he can be a backup quarterback in this league or or something to see here and there really just absolutely was nothing to glean from this it was uh it was maybe rock bottom at this point in time
0: I'll add I'll just offer one thing, and i I don't even an answer to this question, but I was asked last night, do you did I think that the Cardinals have quit on their coaching staff because or the organization probably a better way to phrase this, quit on the organization because the guy that gave them the best chance to win the game at least Sunday was traded? And these guys have actually, Seeing Clayton Tune for a while now, and maybe they just don't think they had a chance with him before the game ever started. That was—I like I said—I don't have an answer to that, but I do think it was an interesting question, or kind of a series of questions there, or theory, I guess, that I was asked last night. And I, like I said, I didn't have an answer to that. I don't think it's preposterous to even think that, though.
1: uh interesting point of observation there, because. It, I mean, in one week, I guess, and then you're thinking that Kyler Murray is coming back. Maybe if the fa- if the plan is moving forward that Murray's not coming back. But, um, you know, if that's kind of the plan, then obviously they're moving in a uh, completely different direction uh, with the offense. So quitting for one week seems uh, silly, I guess.
0: I disagree. I think it's a possibility that, that could have happened. That yeah, you know, we're working our ass off, and you know, we were putting a quarterback out there that has zero chance to succeed. And I think it's safe to say that he had zero chance to succeed. And those offensive linemen, they were already losing the game by twenty-something you know, points before those guys got hurt yesterday.
1: Uh, the masses are on the Sun Devils on Saturday at Utah side of things. So this is completely flipped since we. Uh, kind of got things started at the 10 o'clock hour to 51 percent of the vote cardinals on sunday at cleveland at 49 percent that is the kdos 1060.com poll question tossing it on over to twitter at kdos am 1060 who is the best team in college football the options are florida state georgia michigan ohio state uh so evaluating this here Ohio State uh, at this point is certainly starting to have a ton of injuries mount. They keep winning, but uh, I I have some concerns about that unless some players start to get healthier. For Michigan's side of things here, they're obviously dominating the schedule that's presented in front of them. but. The strength of schedule is a problem so how can you really evaluate michigan based upon that strength of schedule when it comes to georgia uh you know they've kind of been cruising all season long but at the end of the day i kind of lean in the direction of georgia with florida state the lsu win in week one was impressive but as time has gone on i think that impressiveness has worn off just a little bit with some of the uh, lsu defensive uh, defensive numbers and how they've continued to play. Then you also have, uh, just in general, Florida State and the rest of their schedule, so there's question marks there. So I would have to be inclined to say Georgia at this moment.
0: I'm on Georgia, and I'll get uh, kind of right, right to the point here. They've, they've cared about three games, or I shouldn't say care. They've been most interested in three games this season. Uh, that's when uh, Kentucky came to Athens and the stupid Kentucky running back guaranteed victory the night before the game. And then, of course, Georgia ran them off the field. Uh, and then the uh, the, you know, the second game that they cared about was the Florida game because it's a rivalry game and they killed them. And then the third game was some people were saying last week that Missouri was going to win. And they took care of business there. And I know that the score might have looked close at some time. But if you watch the game, there was never a doubt in that game that Georgia was going to win. So the three games that they've most cared about, they have taken care of business and, uh, you know, maybe this week will be different. They play Old Miss, and I assume they care about that game. And if they don't, I'm sure that Lane Kiffin at some point this week will say something to, you know, fire up the Georgia team at some uh, strategical point and, uh, or non-strategical point. Or I think Lane just likes to do this. I mean, he, you know, trashed Jimbo last week and then, like, tried to hug him before the pregame uh, on Saturday and then acted like this is no big deal. Jimbo actually thought it was a big deal. And then, of course, you know, Old Miss beat uh, A&M anyway because A&M hasn't won a road game in the SEC since 2021.
1: Uh, Michigan remains out in front here at 50% of the vote. Georgia and Ohio State each at 25% of the vote. And Florida State has ended the show with 0% of
0: the vote. Oh, I had some hope. So there's, there you go. I actually think that if NFL people uh, were interested here that uh, – they would look at Florida State. Uh, their defense has playmakers. They have the best combination of quarterback, a running back, and two wide receivers of any of these teams.
1: And, you know, in the last couple of games, some of these wide receivers have been in and out with injury. You know, Keon Coleman didn't play last week. Uh, so just kind of continuing to monitor ne- them. Ne-
0: neither did Wilson. They were both out last week. Neither of them played.
1: So maybe that is should be a feather in uh, – you know Florida State's arsenal there for a reason for why they're the best team in college football. They're still getting it done without their their best wide receivers out there.
0: Not their fault uh, that the rest of this conference is unfortunately not very good.
1: We wrap up this edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break.
0: Have you downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Dude.
1: Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is male, chicken.
0: Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows.
1: segment of this monday november 6th edition of extra point right here on kdos am 1060 as always online at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app make sure you're downloading that app there's some pretty cool prizes happening now on the kdos 1060 app so get yourself registered and follow along with the listener rewards available to you but it's that time once again it is thank you time
0: as always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whatever and whoever and whatever, however that goes, uh, slip through the cracks. Also our guest today, round College Football, excellent discussion, as always, with Stuart Mandel from The Athletic. Also, I'm not going to be here tomorrow, but on Wednesday, uh, we'll have our weekly fantasy football update with John McKechnie of rotowire.com. Also, sound of the day courtesy of CBS. PAC-12 Networks, ACC Digital Network, NBC, FS1, and the NFL Network. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next.
1: Yeah, up next. It is... Uh, the Doug Gottlieb show from one to three followed by the Rich Eisen show from three to five and then the sport two with Dave rooster Bierstein from five to six a couple of other things college hoops gets started tonight uh, NAU men's basketball has a tough task ahead of them they're playing the defending <laughs> champions UConn today you can catch that action over at 4 p.m. on KAZG 1440 a.m. and then right here on KDOS a.m. 1060 starting at 6 p.m. Jeff mun on the call as asu women's basketball is hosting utsa kdos am 1060 kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app it also happens to be monday night football tonight chargers minus three and a half jets plus three and a half over under sitting at 39 and a half uh, you know it, it's it's hard for various different reasons to trust either one of these teams
0: <laughs> that would be true So you take the Chargers uh, coaching staff or do you take Zach Wilson? That's your choice.
1: What a choice. 6.15 p.m. Yeah. on ESPN. A couple of other things that caught my attention. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, their road trip on Saturday. It was a 112-100 to 100 loss to the 76ers. Both Devin Booker and Bradley Beal didn't play. Yesterday, it was a 120-106 to 106 win over the Pistons. Kevin Durant went out there with 41 points, 14 of 27, four rebounds, five assists, two blocks, and three turnovers. Eric Gordon remains in the starting line. Lineup, uh for a while here without Booker and Beal 21 points for him eight of 14 eight assists and then Nurkic six points but a lot of the offense rolling through him with seven assists no Booker no Beal the Suns have not been full strength yet this season and uh, for me having to watch Kevin Durant log this many minutes this early in the season makes me a little little concerned
0: well Yeah, he's unfortunately been injured four out of the last five years at some point. So hopefully, you know, knock on countertop here because I I don't have a wood handy. I guess I do to the right, but I have to like lean lean way over to the right to do that. So I don't want to do that. Anyway, hopefully you'll be okay. Um, Typical NBA season, though, is you you don't have all the players playing with even semi-frequency. But, you know, they cracked down on that load management this year. It's going to make a big difference
1: huge the Nuggets out in front in the West they're six and one the Mavs five and one the Warriors five and two the Pelicans four and two and the news here CJ McCollum is out with a collapsed lung so hope everything goes well with him uh the Timberwolves Mm -hmm. three and two Clippers three and two with James Harden making his Clippers debut tonight in New York uh taking on the Knicks
0: At MSG, of all places. So the mecca of college pro basketball and James Harden, the mecca of uh, basketball, according to James Harden.
1: (laughs) That'll do it for this edition of The Extra Point. Talk to you on Wednesday.